morning's reading is from Luke chapter 24, commencing at verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that has happened. And as they walked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What, what things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, and the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was one, the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day all, since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening and the day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to pray if I may. A loving God, would you now please send us the help of your Holy Spirit so that each one of us is able to receive the word which you speak to us in Jesus, our risen Lord. Amen. Um, so at the heart of um, being a Christian um, is not a set of rules that dictate uh, the way we live, um, although most Christians do actually live according to a common set of rules. At the heart of being a Christian is not um, a set of activities that uh, we squeeze into our busy lives, although as a matter of fact most Christians do uh, adopt a certain set of activities like 
going to church on Sunday morning. Um, at the heart of being a Christian is a deep sense of relationship to the risen Jesus. And for those of us who've got it, it is the most natural and precious thing in all the world. And for those who don't have it, it's a complete mystery. How, how, how does that happen? How, what, is it, what, is it, what is it like? How, how, do you, how do you get and develop and nurture a relationship uh, with the risen Jesus? Um, the, the reason I, I treasure the, the, the gospel reading that we've just heard, the, the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, is because of what it has to tell us about exactly that about how you find and then develop a relationship with the risen Jesus. So, so all, I, all I'm intending to do for the next 15 minutes or so is to, um, is to retell that story. Um, it's a story, if you like, if it was a, if it was a drama play, um, it would have three acts. Um, act one is on the road to a place called Emmaus. Act two is a meal that takes place at Emmaus. And act three is on the road back to Jerusalem. The, the, the story is about a journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a meal in Emmaus, and then a journey back to Jerusalem. Act one is easily the longest. Okay, so if I'm 10 minutes in and I'm still on act one, do not panic it does not mean that the sermon's going to be 30 minutes long. I'm going to counter through Acts 2 and 3. Okay. So, um, it's the first Easter day. Uh, it's, it's later on, on the first um, Easter day, afternoon of the first Easter day. Um, and two disciples are walking from Jerusalem, where Jesus had been crucified, had been raised from the dead, um, to a, a, a town about seven miles away, um, called Emmaus. And uh, one of the things I love about this story is these two disciples are B-list disciples. We're, we're told the name of one of them, Cleopas. We're not told the name of the other, other one. That means we could be dealing here with two men, uh, but not necessarily. We could be dealing with a married couple, Cleopas and his, 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 his wife. We don't know. They're ordinary disciples. We know nothing else. There's no backstory earlier in Luke's gospel to tell us anything about these two. So it's not like, you know, Mary Magdalene, to whom Jesus appeared because she went to his tomb. Um, it's not like Thomas, who more or less challenged the risen Jesus to appear to him by saying, oh, I don't believe a word of it. Um, it's not like Peter, who by denying Jesus had set up some unfinished business that meant, you know, the risen Jesus looked him out to deal with it. Um, there's, these are ordinary disciples. There's no, that, that really helps me to relate to this bit of the story because I'm an ordinary disciple too. I'm not one of the 12. Um, so anyway, these two disciples are walking and they're walking, um, they're walking in disappointment. They're walking that Luke says they are downcast. And the reason that they're, they're downcast is because all their hopes in Jesus have crashed to the ground. Um, they, they, they are not aware of the resurrection. They are not aware that Jesus has been raised from the dead. As far as they're concerned, the crucifixion was the end of a great story, a great adventure. Um, they had hoped, they, when they tell this stranger who appears alongside them, we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem um, Israel. They, they, they mean kick out the Romans. We had hoped that he would be the one to restore political freedom to the oppressed people of 
um, Israel by um, chucking out the Roman um, ruling um, uh, and um, occupying forces. Um, and, and all of that now, all of those hopes are disappointed. And in dejection, they are walking away from Jerusalem to Emmaus when this stranger comes and um, starts walking alongside them. Um, and Luke says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along the road? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only person around here who's got no idea what's been going on? Which is hilarious. It's Jesus. He has a good, as good an idea of what's been going on um, as, uh, as anybody on the planet. What things, he asks, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And they go on to tell him their version of his story. So Jesus has met them at his own initiative. He's, he's chosen to find them on the road. And he's walked with them in the direction they were going, at the pace in which they were walking, and he's asked them about their experience and why they look so troubled. And it's only at that point, after they've poured out their hearts to him, that he says to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe. Did you not know that the Messiah had to suffer? And beginning with Moses and all these things, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So here's the first thing that I want to say about having a relationship with the risen Jesus. The, the most precious thing about it is that my experience is the experience of those two disciples. I find that Jesus comes to find me. I find he falls into step beside me. I find he walks with me through my life in the direction I'm heading in, and he walks at my pace, and he asks me questions about my situation. Now, this is extraordinary. This is the first Easter day. Jesus has just conquered the powers of death and hell. If ever there was a moment for a bit of triumphalism, this was it. Uh, Jesus could just have come in a blaze of glory um, uh, appeared dazzlingly in front of these two and said, ta-da! But he chooses to veil himself and just to accompany them um, in their disappointment. I, I suppose if I've got prayer number one for Oscar, and I've got three, prayer number one for Oscar is that that'll be his experience as he walks through life that he'll find the risen Jesus walking alongside him at his pace, in his direction, and asking him to pour out his heart, especially in times of disappointment, because the one thing you can't do as Oscar's dad is protect Oscar from seasons of disappointment in his life. Those will come. And when they come, one of the glories of being a follower of Jesus is that you have someone to whom you can turn and pour out your heart. You can pour out your disappointments to him. That's scene one. How are we doing for time? Okay. Good. That's scene one. Here's scene two. Um, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he was going further. Uh, this is just, uh, this is comedy. Uh, this is the risen Jesus um, encountering two of his disciples. They still don't know who it is. He has, he has taken, he's taken them on a Bible study to help them understand the meaning of Jesus' death and resurrection 
the penny hasn't dropped for them, and he says, okay, bye, fellas, lovely to walk with you, cheerio. And they have to press him to stay with them um, and, um, and to eat with them. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They recognized Jesus in the breaking of the bread, but the breaking of the bread only happened because they invited Jesus to stay and dwell with them, to eat with them. How do you get a relationship with the risen Jesus? You have to invite him. You have to invite him. You have to invite him into your meat to, have, to eat with you. You have to invite him into your house. You have to invite him into your life. You have to invite him into your world. And then it's in the breaking of the bread that their eyes are open and they recognize the risen Jesus uh, for, who, for who he is. Uh, and I suppose that's, that would be my second prayer for Oscar, that as he grows, he will take that step of invitation um, and invite the risen Jesus, who will be accompanying him. Oscar is baptized. That's a done deal. The risen Jesus will be walking with Oscar through Oscar's life. But there will come a moment when it's right for Oscar in developing his relationship with the risen Jesus to invite Jesus uh, into his rightful place um, in Oscar's house and um, to share in, uh, in the experience of, um, uh, of Oscar's life with him. That's when his eyes will be, uh, will be opened to the value and presence of the risen Jesus um, in his life. Scene two. Uh, then comes scene three, which I also love, uh, because at this point they turn tail. Uh, the reason they had pressed Jesus to stay with them and not to carry on walking is, is because they say, um, it's getting late um, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day's almost over. I think they mean no, no one in their right minds walks in the dark. Uh, that's where the danger lurks. Just, just break your journey for the night now. Um, stay with us overnight and continue your journey when it's light again in the morning. Um, but despite all that good advice, at this point they're so excited that dark or no dark, they are going back to Jerusalem straight away. They, so they, they leave the meal unfinished, I assume, and they get up and they, they leg it back. To Jerusalem. They cannot wait to tell the other disciples that the rumor they'd heard from the women that the Lord Jesus had been raised from the dead was true. They, they have now experienced the presence of the risen Christ for themselves. They cannot wait to tell this glorious secret uh, to the other, um, the other disciples. Now, so here's the thing. The journey will be the same distance as the one they'd walked in such despair and hopelessness earlier in the day. They will pass the same landmarks as they passed earlier in the day, but their mood will be completely different. The assurance that Jesus has been raised from the dead will mean that they, they can deal with the bumps in the road, they can deal with the twists and turns in the road in an altogether different spirit because of the assurance they've got that Christ Jesus has been raised from the dead. And that's also my third prayer for Oscar. His road, his life's road will have bumps in it. Uh, his life's journey will have twists and turns in it. Uh, he will deal with those with so much more hope and joy in his heart if he has the assurance that the risen Lord is journeying with him. That's my third prayer, that he will have that deep assurance in his heart. So, so how, does, how do these disciples get that assurance of the presence of the risen Lord with, uh, with them. Um, so uh, let's look how the story ends. 
They got up and returned at once from Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. So they, they, they get back to the upper room where the eleven are assembled. They've got, they've got this bottled up amazing news to share that these two, Cleopas and his companion, have encountered the risen Jesus. They, 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 they burst into the upper room. They're about to open their mouths and say, you'll never guess what's happened to us. And the other disciples beat them to the punch and say, it's true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened to them on the way and how Jesus was recognized with them when he broke the bread. Um, Jesus enables them to recognize his risen presence in two ways. He gives them a Bible study. Uh, it is in the, in the opening of the scriptures that their hearts burn uh, with a, a sense that there's something really important and meaningful going on. Uh, and their eyes are open to his presence um, in the breaking of the bread. In the breaking of the bread because um, they may have been there at the feeding of the 5,000 when Jesus broke bread. They were certainly almost um, certainly there in the upper room um, on the night before Jesus died when um, he introduced the last supper to them and broke bread. To this day, Christians nurture their sense of the risen Christ in their lives by opening the scriptures and by participating in the breaking of bread. And, and that's why I hope that as he grows, um, Oscar will continue to worship um, uh, with, with the family of Jesus like this because um, most of us find it hard to sustain week after week our sense of uh, the risen Jesus in our lives and the difference it makes um, and the two best ways you can do it are by opening the scriptures and participating in the breaking of the bread. And the best way to do that is by sharing in the worship of the people of God. So, prayer for Oscar, uh, number one, that in his times of disappointment, he'll know the risen Jesus walking with him. Uh, prayer number two, that at the moment when it's right, he'll invite the Lord Jesus into his house to eat, sup with him, if you like. Uh, prayer number three, um, that in the twists and turns of his life, he will have joy in his heart because the, of the, his sense of assurance that the risen Jesus is with him. Prayer number four, that he will discover that it's in the opening of the scriptures and the breaking of bread that you can continue to grow and to foster and to nurture that sense of the risen Christ in your life. Amen.
Okay, so I'm going to um, ask Bishop Pete if he'd like to um, come and join me so that we can find out a little bit more about you with the final question, of course, coming at the very end. Is that okay? That's fine. Thank <laughs> you. Good, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be with you. I do enjoy my visits to St. John's, I have to say, um, and I'm only sorry to be visiting when Joy is not here, but it does give me a chance to say without her hearing it, how, what a great value I place on her and on her leadership. I've got no idea where she is this morning. If it's Northumberland, I won't be surprised. She may actually, just because we're online and this is recorded, she'll probably now play this back and hear it. But anyway, I just wanted you to know how, what a great value I place on Joy and on her leadership here. We're indeed very blessed. Thank you. So, if I was to ask you, how long have you been a follower of Jesus? What do you think to that? Yeah, so I had to do the maths because it's getting to be a very long time. Um, <laughs> the answer is 48 years. So, I was converted uh, when I was just 13. So, I've been a follower of Jesus nearly 50 years. And to this day, it remains the best decision I ever made. Brilliant. So at the moment here at St. John's, we've been learning a lot about rest and spiritual disciplines. What sort of things are you kind of studying and learning from God from at the moment? Yeah, I had to think hard about this because if, if I'm absolutely honest, I feel like God has just been teaching me one lesson for nearly 50 years. And that is that he loves me for who I am and not for what I do or don't do, just accepts me completely as I am. And so that thing, I was really interested that you rest and spiritual disciplines. And for me, I, I can re every day, if I'm not careful, I end up thinking that it's by striving and what I do that I can impress God. And the lesson God calls me to learn day after day is just to rest in his love. Excellent. If there was one thing that you would like the children, young people, and generally people here this morning to take away and something that was really meaningful for them, what would it be? So I think the hardest, in the 50 years, the hardest period for me to be a faithful follower of Jesus was the first, converted at 13, was the first five years. It was the teenage years. Um, and I, I would want, I, I think I'd want the children and young people to know that when you're a follower of Jesus, it means you're never alone. You've always got a faithful friend walking life with you. And if you can align your life to Jesus while you're young, it stands you in really good stead for your adult journey. Absolutely. And are there many of us that can remember our teenage years here this morning, perhaps? So the most important question now, are you, are you ready for this? Which Sheffield football team do you support? So I can give you a straight answer to that, but you need to know that I am a fanatically obsessed Newcastle United fan. <laughs> uh, Newcastle, Newcastle are playing Spurs at home in a really important six-pointer uh, this afternoon. I'm already a bit nervous about that. Uh, but it means that I can genuinely want Sheffield teams to do well. So personally, I would have been really happy if United had won their semi-final yesterday. I would have been happy to see a Sheffield club in the FA Cup final. Sorry, that hasn't come about. 
Uh, looks like Sheffield United are going to be promoted. I'll be really happy to see them in the Premier League. Wednesday also having a good season. I think they will at least make the playoffs, maybe even an automatic place. It'd be great to see Wednesday in the championship. But I live just around the corner from Hallam FC, and if there's a Sheffield team I support, it would be Hallam. <laughs>